It's the Read to Lead podcast, episode 78. Hi, I'm Susan Barancini Mo, author of Business in Blue Jeans How to Have a Successful Business on Your Own Terms in Your Own Style. There's no better way to be a work in progress and keep learning than to read or listening to this podcast. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my friend Jeff Brown. Sometimes what we know is seemingly hard to package, but if you have a strategy for creating information products, you can take what you know and productize it. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now here's Jeff. Hello to you and welcome to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth where we sit down with a successful and inspiring author each and every week and talk about his or her latest book and their unique insights on things like leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Michael Port, author of Book Yourself Solid Illustrated. I'll be asking Michael about the thought process behind his red velvet rope policy and why it might make sense for your business, what to do about it if you struggle articulating the solutions and benefits you offer in a clear and compelling way, the six core self-promotion strategies, and a lot more. When you visit our sponsors, you help support the Read to Lead podcast. Check out Blinkist if you haven't already. They serve up business book summaries in audio and written form inside their free app. Find out more about what they do at readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. And the educational site lynda.com is currently offering to you as a listener to this program a free 10-day trial and access to all their courses. Visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash lynda to find out more. Michael Port has appeared on nearly every television network and these days is usually found keynoting conferences around the world on how to get books solid or performing his uh, one-man show, The Think Big Revolution. Uh, he's a former professional actor and the author of five books, including the New York Times bestseller, The Think Big Manifesto, also The Contrarian Effect, Book Yourself Solid, Beyond Book Solid, and the book we'll be spending much of our time on today called Book Yourself Solid Illustrated, the fastest, easiest, and most reliable system for getting more clients than you can handle, even if you hate marketing and selling. Michael, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the obvious first question, I think, is, is, is why an illustrated uh, version of the book? What were you looking to, to give the reader in this edition that they might not be able to glean from, from the other iterations that you released? My job is not to write the great American novel. <laughs> My job is to help people consume what I write so that they can do things with it and either get book solid or think bigger, whatever the promise is of that particular book. And Book Yourself Solid is 90,000 words. Well, actually, the first edition was 70,000 words. The second edition, they said, can you write more? I said, sure. There's another 20,000 words. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It's just getting bigger and bigger. And all of the information is absolutely necessary and relevant. But I thought there's got to be a way to deliver this in a more consumable package. And most people are visual learners. So I thought, what if I could cut a lot of the text 
and work with a visual strategist to illustrate the concepts so that you can look at a picture and get what I'm talking about very quickly. And it also helps you go back to the book if you're working on something to get a refresher rather than having to read, you know, multiple chapters again. So my job is to make it as easy as possible for the people I serve uh, to get the information that I'm sharing uh, and to do what they need to do, you know, to, uh, to get book solid in that case. Well, I spent the last few days rereading it as a refresher for our conversation today, but first purchased it around the time of release, just a little less than a, a couple of years ago, at the recommendation, uh, I believe it was Michael Hyatt, who had uh, written about it on his blog and, and, and reviewed it. Around the same time, I, I had just read uh, Back of the Napkin by Dan Rome, and I believe also um, The Doodle Revolution uh, by Sonny Brown, I think, was around that same time. And so when I heard there was an illustrated version, I was all about it and, and just absolutely loved it from, from the very beginning. Thank you so much. Well, one of the concepts that Michael introduces early in the book is this idea of a, a red velvet rope uh, policy. So, so, Michael, explain what you mean by this, if you would, and, and why you believe it's, it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, the red velvet rope policy is the first chapter of Book Yourself Solid. And the red velvet rope policy is a filtration system that allows in only your most ideal clients. Now, these are clients that energize you and inspire you, but most importantly, they allow you to do your best work. Because what happens when you're doing your best work? Number one, people are out in the world talking about your best work, and of course, that's the best kind of marketing you can get. <laughs> and number two, you love the work you do, which then, of course, compels you to do more marketing and bring in more business. But if you're working with dud clients, if you're working with people that drain your energy, make you feel like your work isn't worthwhile, maybe, God forbid, want to make you do bodily harm to somebody, that's not going to compel you to do the work to bring in more business. And you didn't start your own business to work with people that you don't enjoy working with. Now, someone that's not ideal for you may be ideal for someone else. There's not necessarily anything wrong with those people, but they're just not ideal for you. We have a Facebook group for the Read to Lead podcast, and listeners are there interacting with one another. And when they find out that I'm going to be sitting down and chatting with someone like you, they'll often uh, toss out some some questions they want me to, to throw your way. Mm -hmm. And uh, Deo Samuel from Nigeria was curious about the red velvet rope policy uh, from the standpoint of, okay, you've, you've determined who you need to eliminate. How exactly do I go about breaking the news to them? It depends on the situation, of course. Sometimes it's as simple as, you know, I'm doing uh, some different work right now, uh, and so I'm going to focus on that. Sometimes it's, you know, I feel like I've done all I can do for you here in this particular dynamic. Uh, sometimes it's just my schedule has got uh, very, very busy. Sometimes it's just doubling or tripling or quadrupling your prices, although sometimes that actually backfires because they say, oh, sure, that's no problem. Uh, and then you're, you're stuck with it. You can't say, oh, well, no, I changed my mind. And sometimes with sophisticated people, it's okay to sit down and have a talk and say, listen, you know, I don't think I'm able to do my best work because of X, Y, and Z. And sometimes you can avoid this potential negative dynamic if you set better expectations at the beginning of a relationship. Somebody who might have been an ideal client might um, – might become less ideal over time because you're not managing expectations well. Sometimes we book the business, we're so excited to get started because, you know, we just are so happy they said yes that we don't want to screw it up and, you know, have them change their mind. So we just start working right away. But we haven't set any expectations. We haven't talked to them about what we expect from them uh, in order for us to do our best work. And we haven't 
um, ask them what their expectations are of us because often expectations are just resentments waiting to happen. <laughs> if, if you don't, if you haven't set them, mm. if there are expectations that one party has, but the other party doesn't know that those expectations exist, then the party who has the expectations is often going to resent the person that doesn't know that there are certain expectations set of him. Well, we hear a lot about personal brand, and, and Michael says there are three main components to developing your personal brand. Michael, share your thoughts on effectively distinguishing yourself from everybody else. Sure. So the unique selling proposition is a very important concept, and it usually applies to products or services that we're selling. When you sell services, people are in large part buying you. And I think it is difficult to manufacture distinction. I think it's difficult to create a persona that makes you different than others because it's manufactured, it's, mm. it's manipulated, it's false. But you can be unique by being more yourself. And that means full self-expression. That means being willing to stand up and say what you stand for. Because if, mm. you, know, if you don't stand for something, <laughs> others are probably going to stand on you. <laughs> So there are three components to this personal brand identity, and this may be slightly different than your business brand identity. You know, I have a number of different businesses with a number of different uh, signature offerings, and each one of those offerings uh, has its own brand identity uh, in the marketplace. But I, as an individual, have my own brand identity that I can take with me uh, in, anywhere I go, no matter what kind of work I'm doing, no matter what age I am, and no matter what kind of work I'm doing, and no matter whom I'm doing the work with. And there are three components to this personal brand. The first is what I call the who and do what statement. The second is what I call your why you do it statement. And the third is your tagline. Now, the tagline is not even absolutely necessary, but maybe a fun thing to play around with. So let's start with one and two first. And let me be clear, this is not an elevator speech. This is not some kind of highfalutin, hyperbole filled 30 second pitch of why you're so fantastic. <laughs> The who and do what statement is really just designed to help you be clear on who you serve and what you help them do or achieve or get so that you could explain it to a six-year-old and they will understand it perfectly. And it should simply be the target market that you serve, that's the who, and the result you produce for them, that's the what, who and do what. What do you do for these people? Because that's the first thing people consider when they consider you. Does this person help me get what I want? If the answer is no, they go away. If the answer is, yeah, I think so. Is it enough for them to hire you? I don't think so. Because they want to know why you do it. Because they need to know that they trust and like you. And I'm sure many people have heard that before. And here's how they know if they trust and like you. If they resonate with why you do this work, what you stand for. Why do you get up every day to do this work? That's the question. Now, they may not ask it as an intellectual question. They may not verbalize the question, but the question is there nonetheless. And for me, I do this work because I want to help you think bigger about who you are and about what you offer the world. That is why I do this work. Now, it's not an altruistic initiative. Hmm. I like to do this for myself as well. So what I stand for, this idea of thinking big, it helps me stay accountable to what's important for me as well. Because I can't show up in my business and be small and be petty. I have to show up with a big perspective. And that's absolutely essential. So you can pick something like freedom, like justice, like integrity, like love, like 
romance, mm-hmm. like thinking big. So many different things that you could choose to stand for. And often people have a little trouble because they say, well, I stand for all of those things. <laughs> but you can pick one to build your personal brand around. So you decide how you're known in the world. And then that personal brand, it shows up all over the work you do. It shows up when you're talking to people. Because if you turn it into a tagline, like, for example, I'm the guy to call when you're tired of thinking small, then you really know it. You know why people would choose you. Now, here's the thing. I don't walk around introducing myself as the guy to call when you're tired of thinking small because that would just be cheesy. <laughs> but it, 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 it is in all of my materials, this idea of thinking big. I sign think big. And this way, people know that I'm the guy to call when they're tired of thinking small. Mm. And I know it. So when I have a conversation with someone else, that's always in my mind. And that gives me a lot of power. And people will, introdu- will, will talk about me that way. They'll spread that message. Say, listen, you know, you want to get books out, you got to go to Michael Port because he's going to help you think bigger. Mm. And it makes a big difference. Well, for some, the idea of putting yourself out there in this very you know, bold and public way can elicit those internal fears, those voices in your head. What do I know? And, and I'm such a fraud and, and I'm not an expert. What are some of the methods that, that you espouse, Michael, for dealing with, with those voices inside our head? Well, the question is, what's more important, results or approval? And, you know, if I'm being honest about it, I'd say when I was younger, approval would win out. And as I got older... I saw the importance of results from a lifestyle perspective, Mm. from a pride perspective, because I get pride from producing results. I don't really get that much pride from approval anymore. (laughs) Because, I mean, I like it. Trust me, I love it. You know, Mm. bring it on. But (laughs) if I I associate my worth with approval, then I also have to associate my worth with criticism. And when you're in the public eye, you'll be criticized. Sometimes legitimately and other times, you know, by people who haven't even read your material. They just don't like the way you look or whatever. They go, oh, well, he's rich. I hate him, you know. (laughs) So they write a review and say, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you could clearly tell they never read the book. So you you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to validate yourself based on uh, external approval. You want to validate yourself from a professional perspective based on results. And I, and I, now that's what we focus on. That's what I care about. If you find yourself in a place where you feel like you're lacking knowledge in a particular area, one great way to solve that is with the aid of one of our sponsors. It's lynda.com. Maybe you want to master a particular subject, build a website, boost your Photoshop skills, whatever it might be. Lynda.com can help you make that happen. With a lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching. Courses are structured so you watch them from start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can browse the course transcripts to follow along or search for an answer and skip to that point in a video. It's pretty awesome. Your lynda.com membership is going to give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert like Michael or you're passionate maybe about a hobby or you just want to learn something new, I want to encourage you to visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash Linda and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash Linda. 
Well, in, in service-based businesses, often a challenge is uh, not being able to get past you know, a pricing model that is you know, trading time for money. Uh, what are some of the components or key components of the uh, Book Yourself Solid information products strategy? Because I think that's something that a lot of service-based business owners can, can benefit and learn from. Sure. So it, sometimes what we know is, is seemingly hard to package, but if you have a strategy for creating information products, you can take what you know and productize it. It does a couple things for you. One, it makes your information easier to consume. And that's very important Mm. because it's well organized. There often isn't a huge difference between the expert and the the intermediate level uh, professional. Mm -hmm. The biggest difference, I think, is the expert's information is better organized. So when somebody's information is very well organized... Uh, they're seen as an expert. It makes you more credible. And information products allow you to demonstrate credibility and earn trust faster. It speeds up the sales cycle because people can take advantage of those uh, easier. It's a lower barrier to entry than, say, hiring you for your um, you know, most expensive offerings. It's a smaller commitment. And also, it can make you money uh, while you sleep. And that is absolutely what happens. And when I check my you know, email in the morning, I see uh, sales receipts that have come in throughout the night. And it's just a wonderful feeling. The other thing that's very important to consider from a pricing perspective, because you, you mentioned pricing, is understanding the concept of anchoring and framing. And one of the things that having multiple products do for you is allows you to, uh, to frame one offer against another. Because people will often make their choices based on a particular frame that's been presented to them. Right. So $10,000 might seem like a lot if it's presented to them on its own. But $10,000, when it's presented to them in a package where the alternative is $30,000, is quite affordable. So the frame is, is what's the key. So here, here's an example of anchoring. You know, if I went to your house and, and there was a big TV on the wall, and I said, oh, I like your TV. I'm in the, I'm in the market for a new TV. How much did yours cost? And you tell me $5,000. I say, okay, well, what are the features? You tell me the features. So then I go to Best Buy that weekend, and I see a TV that's just like yours with the same features. It looks fantastic. And it says it's $3,500. I say, sweet, I'm going to get a better deal than Jeff. That's awesome. I can call him up and rib him. Guess what? I only get $3,500. But if I went to Best Buy and I saw the same TV with the same features for $7,500, I'd be like, well, I'm not buying that. Jeff only paid five. Hmm. So the frame is very, very, I mean, the anchor rather is very, very important. Uh, This way, you know, you're framing one product against another. Hmm. But you can also frame your own products against themselves or even the way that you price one particular uh, product or program or service. This is not just uh, applicable to to products that you're selling, information products. I did a program a number of years ago that was an online program for, for a low price point. And there were three different options. The first option allowed you to access the program live, and that was $99. But if you didn't get there live, you missed it. The second option, which we call the gold option, that allowed you to access live and get the recordings and transcripts. So if you missed one, you know, you could still take advantage of it. Mm. And that was $199. And then the platinum, which was the third option, gave you everything that was in the gold plus a number of follow-up group coaching calls with me. And that was valuable, mm. very valuable. So we priced that at 299 So it was 99 
$199 or $299. And we had about 500 people sign up for the program, 80% of whom chose the gold. And that's what we figured. Oh, that's just the gold. It's the middle option. So then we ran the same program again. We had virtually the same number of people sign up, but I changed the pricing. So the pricing change didn't affect the number of people who sign up, but it affected our revenues positively. Interesting. So I raised the price of the basic from 99 to 199. So instead of 99, I charged 199. Mm. The gold, instead of 199, I charged 279. And the platinum was 299. So now you look at it and you say, well, the basic is, I, I don't, it's not enough. I need more because I'm not going to be able to get to every one of these training sessions. So I need the recordings and the transcripts. But you know what? I would love to have those coaching calls and I'd be an idiot not to spend another $20 <laughs> to get the platinum. So 85% of the people took the platinum. And then about maybe 1% of people took the, took the gold and the rest took the basic option. Now we called up the people who took the gold and said, did you make a mistake? <laughs> and they did. They go, oh, I'm sorry. I should have got the platinum. That makes sense. <laughs> got the platinum. So you see the majority of our people now were in the platinum. So instead of 199 per person, uh, the majority of people were now paying 299. So they made more money. So the platinum price didn't change from one experiment to the other, but by raising the other two slightly, you, you drove more people to that one. Exactly. Exactly right. And by specifically by raising the gold, the middle option, so it's very close to the platinum, mm. so that when you're looking at those two, you'd be like, well, of course I've got to take the platinum. It's just, it's just crazy not to. <laughs> Well, we only have time to, to touch on them briefly, but I wanted to take some time to, to talk about the six core uh, self-promotion strategies that you talk about in the book. And the good news is uh, we don't necessarily have to execute on, on all of them, right? Correct. There really are six core self-promotion strategies for service-based professionals. There's networking. And I define networking as developing deeper relationships with people you already know. There's direct outreach. And I define direct outreach as reaching out to people that you do not yet know, but would like to know because you think they'll have a positive influence on your future. Mm, like Michael Port, for example. Or, or Jeff Brown. <laughs> and then the third self-promotion strategy is, of course, referrals. And we live and die by referrals. Mm. The next three are optional. See, the first three are mandatory. Okay. We, we need to continue to develop deep relationships with the people we, we have met um, because, you know, if you and I meet – and we don't stay in touch, there's no value. Hmm. Was, oh, hey, it was nice to meet Jeff. Yeah, we had a great conversation. But then w what became of it? Right. So it's, the develop it's keeping those relationships um, uh, growing. And then direct outreach, of course, we're going to need to meet people that can open doors for us. So that's essential. And referrals are pretty important for most <laughs> people. I mean, maybe a few people don't want referrals, but I think the majority of people want referrals. So that strategy is very important. But... The next strategy is speaking, public speaking. And it's a wonderful, wonderful strategy for producing leads. Because when you stand up on stage in front of people, you know, that's a, that's a very authoritative platform that you've been given. Mm. But I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think everybody has to do it. And, and you know, I have a whole other business that teaches public speaking and performance. So I am very biased toward public speaking, as you might imagine. <laughs> but I do not think somebody who does not want to be on the stage in any way, shape, or form and hates absolutely hates standing in front of people uh, giving a, a speech, shouldn't do it. Why? There's other things to do. So don't force yourself to do something uh, that you don't like to do just because you see other people do it. It's not necessary. 
But it can certainly supercharge, put some horsepower into your marketing efforts if you choose it. And then, of course, there's the writing strategy. Now, we always have to write. I mean, we write emails to people. We have to write copy for our website. Of course, we can hire somebody to, to help us with that. Um, we write proposals. There's different things we write. However, you don't have to use writing as a self-promotion strategy, but it's very powerful if you do, and you do it well, and you do it a lot, blogging, writing for all of the you know online, not all, but the majority of the online publications in your industry, it's uh, it's a very authoritative uh, platform to have. Uh, you know, if you're given, uh, you know, if you're in business, you're a business consultant and you write in Forbes every week, you write the Harvard Business Review and you have a blog that you write and build up. So it's a very powerful strategy. You can put, again, a lot of, you know, horsepower into your strategy. But if you hate writing, if it's not something you have any um, interest in doing whatsoever, don't do it. Just, you know, do the amount of writing that you need to do for your business uh, and, uh, and focus on something else. Mm. And then there's the web strategy, which is the sixth. Now, you'd be surprised, you know, to hear that much of the web strategy is optional. Yeah. You say, oh, God, we li- it's 2015. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, yes, of course you need. Well, I should say there are some people who are book solid, don't even have a website. So it still can be done. But mm. if you're starting from scratch, it's pretty important that you have a good direct response website that demonstrates your credibility, that starts a conversation and allows you to build up many leads that you can follow up on and, uh, and earn the business uh, over time. But you don't have to do Facebook advertising, you know, Google pay-per-click advertising. You don't have to get hardcore into Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Those things are absolutely not necessary. And in fact, the mistake that many people make is they spend too much time on all of those different platforms, mm. trying all of those different things and don't really build up a critical mass in, in, any part- in one particular place. So if you follow the Book Yourself Solid system, you, what you discover is that you don't need to do as much marketing as you think because the marketing just creates awareness for the products and services that you offer. What you do once somebody becomes aware of you is what actually books you the business. And so if you have a very good system for turning that awareness into business, well, then you can repeat it again and again and again and again. And that's what the Book Yourself Salad System allows you to do. Each day, you execute on just a few of the core self-promotion strategies, not all of them, just a few. You create more awareness for uh, the products and services that you offer. People come and check out your foundation if they think it's built for them. They feel comfortable on it, secure. Then they'll give you an opportunity to earn their trust. Because trust isn't built in an instant, and they may not be ready to buy from you yet. But if you have a plan for building trust and credibility and you start to make sales offers that are proportionate to the amount of trust that you've earned and you know how to price your offers, you understand the concept of anchoring and framing and you can price your offers right in the sweet spot of that buyer's desire and you know how to have the simple sales conversation and that's in module three of Book Yourself Solid, well, then you can book the business and you can do it again and again and again and again. And each day you create some more awareness. Each day people come check you out if they feel that you know, you can help them get what they want, then they'll give you an opportunity to earn their trust. If you have a plan for building trust and credibility, you go about earning their trust, you go about demonstrating their, your credibility, and you start to make sales offers that are proportionate to the amount of trust that you've earned. If you understand anchoring, you understand framing, if you can price your offers right in the sweet spot of that buyer's desire, and you know how to use the Book Yourself Solid four-part sales formula, which is not a script, by the way, <laughs> then you can book the business and you do it again and again and again. And that's a systematic approach 
to your marketing and selling. Uh, I read a stat uh, recently, I think it was, that said 84% of us are visual learners. So I really appreciate the effort that went into taking what was a 90,000 word book and making it much easier to digest and, and to consume. And, and the, the illustrations that accompany the exercises are super helpful. And I've, I've gotten so much out of it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I just have to say real quick, you've got such a great radio voice. <laughs> I mean, it's just, look, I, obviously I do podcasts, you know, uh, I'm, I'm honored to be, you know, do a lot of podcasts as a guest, but you know, you, I, I could listen to you all day long. You're a professional. So <laughs> well, thank you. your listeners must just have such a blast. I appreciate that. Well, I, I do want to ask a couple of questions in the few minutes we have left, Michael, not directly related to your book, but before I move to those, is there anything else about the book you want to make sure we know? Yeah, it's really a coaching program. So it's not something that you read in two days and you just get some ideas and that's what gets you book solid. Mm. It, there, it, there are exercises throughout the book. Every other page, you're going to find things that you need to do to go get book solid. And the people who are most successful are the people who treat it like a coaching program uh, and you know go out and do the work that uh, is suggested to them over time. And then they book themselves solid. It's not an overnight success kind of thing. Right. Well, name for us, if you would, a couple of books that you've read or are currently reading, Michael, that have had an impact on you. And and share, if you can, how or why they impacted you as they did. Social Intelligence and Emotional Intelligence. Those two books from Dan Mm -hmm. Goldman had great impact on me. Excellent. I think that, uh, you know, from a business perspective, when people ask what are the best business books to read, I say, go read Dan Goldman's book, Social Intelligence and Emotional Intelligence. And they say, what? He's a psychiatrist. <laughs> I don't get it. No, because those two, um, those two concepts are very important for us uh, as business owners to be able to manage our emotions and also understand social dynamics of any situation that we're in. I'm reading a book right now called Yes And. It's lessons from the Second City, which is the most famous improv mm. uh, house in the in the country or maybe the world. And I'm reading it now because I just finished a month ago "Steal the Show," which is my next book, and it comes out October 27, 2015. And I don't read books that may be similar while I'm writing the book <laughs> uh, because I don't want to be influenced uh, positively or negatively. But I read them afterwards. And uh, I think this is really good. It's, uh, it's about, you know, how to use improvisation and, uh, and creativity uh, in the workplace, which is a different book than, than I wrote, but a very good book nonetheless. And then I constantly, continuously, regularly read and reread Chapman's Guide to Piloting and Seamanship. Mm. I'm a U.S. Coast Guard licensed captain and I have two boats and I spend much of my time on the water. If it's warm, I'm there. (laughs) Uh, Even if it's not that warm, I'm there. (laughs) In any event, uh, it's it's about three inches thick. It would take you a few years to read it page (laughs) by page. But that's my idea of the pursuit of mastery. Mm. Reading and rereading the most important books in the area that you'd like to master master is how you pursue mastery. Because I can't remember everything I read in there every time I read it. I got to keep going back to it. And I care so much about it that I want to keep reading it. And that's how I know I love it. (laughs) And I also think it's really important to read outside your own uh, industry or profession. Because 
much of our, many of our best ideas come from cross-appropriation. You know, seeing something in another field or industry and then bringing it into yours, you can create a whole new world, something that didn't exist before. And it's also good just to get your mind off, you know, your work because you need a break sometimes. Uh, Erica Dewan, who was recently on the podcast, talks about that, that very combination in a book called Get Big Things Done. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes in case you, you want to reference that. Well, I'm, I'm excited to, to hear and learn more about Steal the Show. And this is as good a time as any to let you know that Michael has already agreed to come back in October uh, around the time of that book's launch to talk to us specifically about that. I don't want to give too much away, but I do want to ask, because public speaking is so much a part of what you do, and I believe it to play a major role, in the level of, of your success. What are some of your favorite tips, Michael, for, for delivering a, a meaningful and memorable public talk? First of all, every talk needs to be supported by a big idea. And the big idea doesn't need to be very different. It just needs to be important to you and the people in the room. Mm. Every speech needs to have a promise, just like every book has a promise. You need to be able to see the world in the same way that the people in the room see the world. You need to be able to demonstrate to them how the world will look, what the consequences of not adopting this new worldview or doing the things that you suggest they do will look. So what are the consequences of not doing what you're suggesting? Mm. And then what are the rewards? You know, can you articulate the rewards of adopting this new worldview or doing uh, you know, what you suggest they do? What are the rewards of the promise of that speech? And then you can start to organize your uh, ideas around that, your, con- your content around that. And the organization of a speech is essential, but not more essential than your ability to perform. Because public speaking is an act of performance. And if you go up there just to share some information, then you may not connect with an audience in the way that you'd like to. And so what I teach is the performance side of public speaking, in addition to developing content, of course, but some of the most successful speakers uh, on the circuit come to me because they know that the difference between getting paid $5,000 for a speech and $50,000 for a speech is your ability to perform. Mm. Now, from a practical perspective, just a few tips. I suggest that you don't start telling a story by saying, let me tell you a story. (laughs) Because then they go, oh, Jesus, story. One of the speakers telling me a story. The, the, the best stories are the ones you don't realize you're in until you're in it. Yeah. I also suggest that you don't say, I'm happy to be here, because every other speaker has said that before you. And what's the alternative? That you're really pissed that you're there? I also suggest that you don't say, let's get started, because mm. you already got started. <laughs> As soon as they read, as soon as the bio was read, it started. Mm. So if you say, let's get started, it mean, meant that everything before that was completely irrelevant. Mm. I also suggest not saying, if you take one thing from this speech, because <laughs> that's suggesting that the other things were not important. Right. You could have just told them that one thing in five minutes and left. I've been done. <laughs> so there are lots and lots of things, lots and lots of uh, habits or behaviors that have developed over time uh, in the world of speaking that are really problematic. I mean, those little things, there's another hundred of those that I could list for you. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, even 50 or even 25 of those are in a speech, even if your content is great, even if you seem substantial, it will start to diminish the effect that you have on the audience because you look like an amateur. And you can fall off a stage and still be a professional. I fell into the orchestra pit once. (laughs) It's the best moment of the whole speech. (laughs) You heard like a big crash. It was like, 
boom. <laughs> and then I said, I'm okay. <laughs> and everybody cracked up. It was great. So you can fall off the stage. I've, I've, I've knocked over lights on stage. Mm. I say, um, sometimes I get lost. Sometimes all of that is fine. That's not a problem. Mm. As long as you're able to perform and connect emotionally, physically, philosophically, intellectually with the people that you serve and, uh, and they want that big promise that you're making in the speech. So you have to be able to deliver it. I'm so fascinated by this and how it relates to public speaking. I, I coach podcasters and, and teach the performance side of podcasting, really mm. leveraging what I learned in my two and a half decades in radio. And there's nobody else doing that. Uh, nobody else putting an emphasis on that. And so I, I totally relate to, to what you're talking about there. It's, isn't it really remarkable? So both you and I, we, we take our performance background. So obviously I was an actor. I have a master's of fine arts from the graduate acting program at NYU. And then I work professionally. I did shows like uh, Sex in the City, Third Watch, All My Children, Law and Order, mm. uh, 100 Center Street, you know, tons and tons of voiceovers. Back in the day, in the 90s, there was that time when the regular guy's voice became popular. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was the announcer voice, like the big voice. And then they were like, you know, let's just get a regular guy who can say, listen, at Pizza Hut, we've got so many pizzas, you can do something different every day. So many pizzas, one great deal. You know, they wanted the regular. So anyhow, I got lucky with that. But all of that background is, is what I teach. I teach acting to professional speakers. But because I'm also a $30,000 keynoter on the business circuit, I'm able to combine those two things in a way that, you know, is, uh, is very unusual. And you're doing the exact same thing in the world of podcasts. So we have to continue to talk about this offline. Um, because <laughs> there's lots of really cool stuff that uh, I'm sure we could share with each other. Yeah, in the 90s, the decade where I did absolutely no voiceover work, by the way. All <laughs> oh, right, exactly. So you have the real announcement. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's more, probably more of a blessing. <laughs> well, one final question for you, Michael. A hundred years from now, what, what do you hope to be remembered for? You know, I don't need to be remembered for much. I really don't. I, I want to be in service in any way I can. That's really, really important to me. Um, ultimately, most important to me is that my family, my children's children's children, uh, they experience a family that is deeply connected, um, has meaning, and is in service to other people out in the world. Mm. That's what's most important to me. Well, thank you so much again for your time. I'm so glad and thankful to John Corcoran for making the introduction and uh, thank you for taking the time to be here. We really, really appreciate it. It is honestly my pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. To find out more about Michael, the projects he's working on and the books he recommended, as well as the other Read to Lead episodes that I referred to, just visit the show notes page for this episode. It's readtoleadpodcast.com slash 078 for episode 78. Please remember to visit our sponsors, if you will, Blinkist and Lynda.com. Several of my clients have launched quality podcasts. I encourage you to check out. There's Brendan Hufford's Entrepreneurs and Coffee at eandcoffee.com. Also, Eric Scabaris, who hosts the Mentor Me podcast at mentormepodcast.com. Anthony Witt serves as host of the Champion Entrepreneur at tcepodcast.com. And finally, Todd Cook, who hosts the Minutes Not Money podcast at minutesnotmoney.com. Well, that does it for this week. 
I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.